Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be talking about sex education, which was a brand new watch for your host. I know it's not for my two panelists, but it was for me. And I've been watching a lot of new shows recently, like Grimm was a brand new show, Winona Earp, Lock and Key, which I'm now watching, which we're covering next week. So all these brand new watches, and I have to say, so far, this was my absolute favorite I fell so madly in love with this show, spoiling my opinion, unlike what I did with Grimm. But if you went to my Twitter page, you would have already known that. But I just, I did. So it really kind of shouldn't have surprised me, but it did surprise me how much I love this show. So I'm very excited for this conversation. I'm a lot more excited for this one than our second one we're doing this week. And I'll tell you a little bit why once we get to the end. But I think actually the two shows that we're covering this week. The other one is Euphoria. I think they actually are a good balance to each other because they're both about teens in current present day, but the way they handle teens is so completely vastly different that I really think it'll be interesting to compare and contrast them. Even though I don't know if my two panelists on Euphoria, because we haven't recorded that yet, I'm not sure if they've seen Sex Education. But if they have, I'm going to ask them to compare and contrast it because I can compare and contrast the way those two shows handle sex big time Uh, because I think one of them is voyeuristic and one of them isn't. And spoiler, the one that isn't is the one we're talking about today. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so if you don't know what sex education is and remember, no, this is all from IMDb. So these IMDb descriptions are usually kind of silly. But actually, I'm going to read the one that was written by somebody and they submitted to IMDb. So socially awkward high school student Otis may not have much experience in the lovemaking department, but he gets good guidance on the topic in his personal sex ed course, living with mom Jean, who is a sex therapist. Being surrounded by manuals, videos, and tediously open conversations about sex, Otis has become a reluctant expert on the subject. When his classmates learn about his home life, Otis decides to use his insider knowledge to improve his status at school. So he teams up with whip smart bad girl, Maeve. I really don't like that description. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) To set up an underground sex therapy clinic to deal with their classmates' problems. But through his analysis of teenage sexuality, Otis realizes that he, he may need some therapy of his own. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Heck of a description. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just okay. And this stars Asa Butterfield as Otis, Jillian Anderson as Jean. And this was the first time that I heard her on an interview using her natural accent. She is British. She actually is. And I did not know that until I heard her in that interview. Shooty, I now I'm gonna butcher his last name. I apologize. Shooty Gatwa as Eric. Uh, Emma McKay as Maeve, 
Alastair Petrie as Michael, Connor Swindles as Adam, Amy Lou Wood as Amy. Kadar <laughs> 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 um, William Sterling as Jackson. And then there are a bunch of other people. I'm just going to name those right now. And yeah, I just want to give a couple of trivia and then we'll go around and see what everybody is into in pop culture right now. But here's just some fun little trivia. The show's British writer, Lori Nunn, said she intended sex education to be an homage to John Hughes high school films of the 80s, such as The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. And although the show takes place in a British school named Moordale Secondary, it has an American high school environment with lockers, letterman jackets, a rugby ball being carried around mimicking American football, and no school uniforms. The creators did this intentionally to make the show more accessible to international audiences, mainly American, and a homage to the John Hughes films that inspired the show. And then lastly, because I think this is a very important note with a show that's dealing with sexuality so much, as a result of the Me Too movement, HBO had hired an intimacy, had hired intimacy coordinators for their productions. Netflix followed suit and hired intimacy coordinator Ida O'Brien to ensure that actors felt comfortable and safe while intimate scenes were rehearsed and later filmed. And I think that's very important because there is so much sex in this show. And I think having an intimacy coordinator is essential on every production. And screw certain actors who recently said that that is not natural. Scott Bean, we know now why you get murdered in every film you're in. I mean, come on. <laughs> Actresses, I mean, come on. Just, it's it's not natural. Why, well, how would it be natural? People aren't normally having sex with people filming there and people saying cut and put your hands there. Of course, it's not going to be natural. Mm -hmm. So having an intimacy coordinator helps. So that's all I want to say about that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still caught on the pronunciation. It's shooty. Shooty, oh, yeah, it's right. S-H-O-O-T-Y is how it's pronounced. Yeah, because I looked him up on IMDb. Because also, fun little fact, he's going he's gonna to be the next Doctor in the Doctor Who series. Yes. I'm not a Doctor Who person, but I know that was exciting news, especially since he is going to be the first black Doctor Who, right? Well, Correct? as the main Doctor, yes. As the main Doctor, yes. yes. Okay, thank you. Because I'm not... <laughs> the only Doctor Who that I know, I know we've covered on the show, so yes, I know, but I had a very, very, very knowledgeable panel for that one. But the only thing I remember of Doctor Who is the PBS Doctor Who with the scarves was the Doctor Who I grew up with. <laughs> That's fair. That's very valid. <laughs> so yes. Okay, so before we get into sex education, and I am going to have some trigger warnings before we get started on it as well, I just want to go around and ask my panelists from two, three, ten thousand other other podcasts and specs it's on more than one um what they are into right now in pop culture bet all right well um i'm gonna talk about bad sisters and bad sisters is an irish dark comedy thriller kind of sort of mystery thing going uh that's on apple tv right now and there's only been four episodes that have come out so far, and it looks like the season has 10 down. But um, I'm a sucker for anything about sisters, because I have a lot of them. And there are five sisters in this show, and there were five of us that grew up together as sisters. So I was just like, I'm in. And then I'm watching, and I'm like, it is probably one of the most uncomfortable shows you can watch. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm just like, my skin is crawling. Um, it's 
very potentially triggering. There is a character, but basically it starts out with this one character, uh, the husband of one of the sisters, the other brother-in-law, and he's dead. And then it flashes back to like, who killed him? Why did they kill them? And as you're watching, you're like, I want to kill him (laughs) because they're doing all... He is... I honestly think he's probably like one of the best villains, like the creepiest, creepiest villain I have watched in TV in a long time. Like it really makes my skin crawl to watch him. But at the same time, I just need to keep watching more and be like, okay, when are they going to actually kill him? Like, when is this going to, I know he's dead. So that's not a spoiler, but like, how are we going to do this? When is it going to happen? Yeah. Really good, but um, definitely look into any triggers uh, before going into it because it he is like he's very gaslighting, emotionally abusive character. So um, yeah, but it's fascinating. Yeah, I think I saw you tweet about it, and I have never heard of this show. So, <laughs> and I I have a sister too. I have a younger sister. So yeah, so I I'm always curious about stuff with sisters too as well. So yeah. And Ishelle, what are you into right now? Well, I am working really hard to diversify my bookshelves. <laughs> so I am reading kind of everything under the rainbow, trying to put a lot of emphasis on own voice authors and authors of, of color. Um, and so right now I'm just starting, it's called The Black Veins, and I'm blanking on the author's name, but um, it's a contemporary uh, fantasy I think it might be kind of YA new adult uh, novel. And um, I mean, I'm only a couple chapters in, but it's pretty fun so far. Well, yeah, I was like, is she going to mention a book? Yep. <laughs> All about the books. Yeah, you are. You're you're my book panelist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is always awesome. So, yes. <laughs> And what I'm into, also trigger warnings for this, this deals with cults, this deals with Satanism, this deals with, I I haven't really gotten much to that part yet, Um, but there is a new Netflix show called Devil in Ohio, which if you are a Bones fan, which someday I will watch that show when we cover it on the podcast, I'm sure, Emily Deschanel, who's, you know, Zoe Deschanel's sister, is in this, stars in this, and she's like, a, a psych, she's a psychiatrist and she works with a lot of young teens and stuff and she also fosters kids and she takes in a mysterious cult escapee she doesn't know she's a cult escapee like she, they find her and she has a pentagram etched into her back yeah it's it's really weird and she's very weird the girl is really weird uh, played by madeline art author who if you are a to all the boys i love to all the boys I loved before, you know, that whole series. If you're into that, she plays the best friend in that series. And she's in this, a lot of other people, supernatural people. Um, Samantha Ferris is in this. She has a really small bit part, but she's in this a little bit. Uh, but it's just interesting. It is dark and twisty, and I love dark and twisty. So if you're not into dark and twisty, you would hate this show. <laughs> but I recommend it. Once again, that's on Netflix. Okay, so let's get into something else that's on Netflix, sex education. So let me give a few trigger warnings. And panelists, please, if you feel I've missed anything, please feel free to jump in. First off, of course, this is a very sexually explicit show. So we may be talking about a lot of sexually explicit things. It is a sexually explicit show that does 
uh, revolve around high schoolers too. So I just want to give that out there too. Uh, there is homophobia. There is a little bit of racism. There is definitely some misogyny in here, I would say, just a tad bit. There is uh, there is a little bit of transphobia, but also just also just a lot of like gender politics. And especially in the third season, I would say more than anything, I would say there is a little bit of child neglect, um, teen neglect. There is sexual assault. Yeah. So just if any of those things are triggering for you, just a heads up on the show too, because we're going to be spoiling everything too. So if you haven't seen the show, don't listen to this until after you've watched the show, which I highly recommend this show, but just a trigger on that. I don't think this show is as dark and heavy as the other show we're going to be covering this week, Euphoria. Not at all. This show actually has a lot of humor in it. Made me laugh a lot. It's very sweet, endearing. Has I have so many ships in this show that it's, it's pretty, I was like, dang it, I'm shipping way too many people in this show. It's kind of annoying, but in a good way. Ship all the ships. <laughs> all the ships, yes. And we will be getting to that. With our favorites, I'm I'm sure that's going to be hard to that was it's very hard for me. So I'm sure it's going to be hard for my panelists too. But first, what I want to know is, Bex, what were your first impressions of this show and how the show handled teens and sexuality overall? Sure. Well, I put off watching this show for a long time. Like I kept seeing the preview; it would be that like autoplay on Netflix, and I was like. I don't know. This just seems like it's going to be super cringy. Like, I love Jillian Anderson. That's great. You know, Asa Butterfield, all grown up, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, eh, I don't know. It might be too much. So I like, I put it off. Um, and I think I started watching it after season two was out. Uh, so we did have to wait for the third one. But, you know, I think, yeah, it's it's a bit exaggerated at points. But like, I think most TV shows with teens and sex and parties and all that are exaggerated. I mean, unless I was the only one who wasn't like, you know, having all the sex and attending the ragers in high school. <laughs> we, we we had lots of, no. right? We had parties. Yeah, but. I mean, there were parties and there were, but it was, it's never like they show it in TV, at least not in my experience. I do appreciate that it tackles a lot of different sexual scenarios, right? It's not like everybody's not ready for sex at the same time. Otis is like, I don't get it. I don't like, like, you know, in the, is it like the first episode even where he's like pretending to masturbate so his mother mm -hmm. doesn't ask him questions about it? Of course, then she asks him why he's pretending. <laughs> um, but like, not everyone's sexuality is static either. You know, people are exploring and discovering their sexualities. It's it's changing um, or they're just learning more about themselves throughout the show. Not everyone has the same reaction to sex and sexuality. You've got, you know, you've got straight characters, you've got gay characters, you have non-binary characters uh, in relationships with people of different genders. You there's a, a pansexual character and so on. Like, I do appreciate that it's showing all of that and not in a exploitative way. I don't, I don't read it as exploitative anyway. So yeah, I, that's sort of my first impression is like, you know, good job. You're, you're, it may be exaggerated. It may be over the top, but it is, I feel like a lot of viewers can find someone that they might connect with 
uh, to some degree in that show. Definitely. And even as an adult, I think, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Ishelle. Yeah, well, first of all, I love a British dramedy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I find... I have not watched a ton of TV. As you know, I'm the book person. But what I have seen is of the British dramas that I've seen, they do diversity really well, um, unless they're intentionally not trying to do well. Mm-hmm. But of the ones that come to mind, some of my favorites, they do it really well. And that was true in this show, like not just in people's sexual orientation, but the ethnicities, the um, socioeconomic statuses, like there was, there's a little bit of everything represented at this school and I really really liked that and appreciated that and you got to see how um yeah people like technically might belong to some like a jock or or the smart person or whatever but there's a lot of blending between that which is way more realistic than what we're used to seeing from like a high school themed show or movie or whatever so I really did appreciate that I uh I also felt like they had the students or these teenagers I felt like they had a lot of autonomy which is not something that I was used to, I mean, this is way different than my high school experience. And I wasn't in, it wasn't like that relatively that long ago that I was in high school. So that was all different for me, but that could just be because things are a little bit different there than they are, you know, here and definitely in the South where, where I'm from. But still, I, I liked that to see that they were kind of thinking on their own and working through these things. And I also really appreciated that this is a generation that's represented in the show that usually gets dismissed, but you actually could kind of learn a lot from them. And the, the parents and the teachers, they learned a lot from, from these students. They had a lot to offer. And so, yeah, it's about their, them coming to terms with their sexualities and their sexual activities, but it's also a lot more than that. Like they had, these characters had a lot more depth and a lot more layers and other things going on besides just the sexual aspect of it. And so I really appreciated that about, about this show. And I feel like I didn't think that it had it perfect. I mean, these are like teenagers. <laughs> and so they're not going to be experts on on this. And even Otis, who's trying to give advice, I mean, he can tell you like technique type things. But a lot of what he was speaking to is more of you need to be comfortable and sure of what you're doing and how you feel and that sort of thing. And that's what's really most important um, from your sexual experiences. And so um, I thought in some ways, yeah, it was kind of you know, over dramatized or whatever. But in other ways, it was a very, um, I don't know the right words. It was very like charismatic in a way and very charming in a way, even though you're dealing with something like it's sex education, but uh, there was a lot of charm to it too and how it was handled. I like that word. That's, that's, a, that, that's a good yeah. word for it. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, like I said, this was brand new for me. Um, as far as like, you know, has open and, you know, I think we are a very puritanical society in America and in the United States. I mean, specifically United States, we are very puritanical. We like to think we aren't because of the fact that there's sex everywhere and all that stuff, but we are puritanical. It does, you know, it doesn't matter how much sex is everywhere. It's the way it's handled and talked about. And it's a very hush hush thing, especially for younger people, I think more than anything. And I think we are, sadly, we're trying to veer even more puritanical right now. Older people are trying to take us that way. Certain politicians, certain, you know, leaning, certain people leaning a certain way are trying to take us that way. And I think when you watch shows that are, and I'm not saying because people in in London and 
you know, English people and British people, they do have their own, a lot of issues. They are also dealing with a lot of the same stuff we are dealing with. So I want to say that it's not like they are just living in this pristine, like everybody's accepting and loving because it's not that way at all. But as far as the sex stuff goes, they are, you know, it seems at least for the most part, at least with shows and with media, they're a lot more open to it in a way where it's handled a lot differently than we do. Like what I really appreciate about this show is there is no shaming. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I mean, there are characters that shame characters like in the third season with the new head headmistress woman per, person. Now her name is escaping me all of a sudden, but with her, she's very shaming. But for the most part, you know, the way it's handled, the show itself is never shaming the characters. Other characters may shame, but there's never shame from the show itself, which is amazing because when you are at that age, everything is so confusing. And especially the fact that there's no shaming about, you know, a person's body or how, you know, like how often they talk about how different certain body parts are on people is I've never seen that in a show, ever. I mean, there's that whole thing with the photo that goes around with one of the girls' vaginas. Yes. <laughs> like, her vulva is, like, out there for the world to see. And, it, like, it turns into this conversation about how everybody's different and it's all beautiful. Yeah. And then Amy, like, looking at all the different pictures and being like, oh, I'm a this or I'm a that. And being like, you know, it's not – it's not shaming that it's not shaming the fact that you may look different than other people or than what Hollywood has said should be the norm. And that I really appreciated because I think, and I'm not saying, I don't think really young kids should watch this show or anything, but I do think, I do think some teens could handle the show. I'm not a parent. So, you know, big disclaimer there, I could be totally wrong. But I think even if you're a young adult or even if you're an adult adult, to see that stuff not shamed is pretty remarkable. And, you know, with the representation, again, I'm going to echo that. It's incredible the amount of representation in this show and the fact that it grows every season and it's not like stagnant and it's not like they have a token character. I mean, the fact that they also have George Robinson, who is a wheelchair user himself in real life. That's essential. <laughs> you know, it's not like an able actor, you know, playing this character. So that's that's good. And the fact that with his character, Isaac, that they show, you know, him falling in love with Maeve and showing her that whole scene where they have this really intimate scene where she asks him how he where he could feel, what parts of his body he can feel. And it's this very intimate you know, touching of just even the chest and the shoulders and the face and the, everything like that. And to show someone who is disabled and showing that they can actually enjoy sex and they can actually enjoy intimacy is revolutionary, sadly. And to not do it in a way where it's infantilizing him at all. So mm -hmm. that was pretty, that I thought was pretty remarkable. So I just give it half the hand. I mean, just really applause for the amount. Yeah. And it never seems like they are just like giving us representation for representation's sake. Exactly. And that's the big deal. It comes across so it's just natural. It's just like, of course, there are people of all walks of life in this in this town at the school. Yeah. It's just like such a natural thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's never any 
like character that becomes one of the main like you know characters that isn't well written or that isn't given a full fully dimension you know and everything like that which is pretty amazing I and I just really just appreciated that so much with watching this as opposed to a lot of other shows that you watch nowadays and I think it's ahead of its time sadly it's ahead of its time but it is ahead of its time and I also want to stress that even though there's a lot of a lot a lot of sex in this show uh, it opens with some kind of sexual scenario situation. Everyone opens that way, whether it's, you know, there's usually some kind of issue that people need to work through, but it opens with that. And I want to say, though, it never felt voyeuristic. It never felt icky. It never felt like the camera was leering at these people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I appreciated that. I thought that was, you know, as opposed to, euphoria and i am going to compare them a lot when we're talking about this because i think it is an interesting contrast because there's a lot of sex in euphoria but to me euphoria comes off as very voyeuristic as opposed to this one in my opinion but yeah yeah i haven't seen euphoria yet but um yeah but i want to going back to what you were saying aaron it a lot of the the episodes do start with some 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 kind of sexual activity going on between somebody, but it is all about the lessons being learned in that, whether it's just mm-hmm. like learning how to enjoy yourself or learning we're having a problem, we're having an issue here, and that's what's going to get worked out in the episode. So it really is learning about all, all the things involved with sex, like getting over feeling embarrassed or worried or uncomfortable. And so you really are learning. So there's a purpose for those scenes. Like, yeah, it's just a little bit of something to kind of, laugh at or maybe blush about but there is a lesson with all of so it does have a purpose exactly yeah yeah it's not just to be voyeuristic it's not just to be salacious it's not just to be edgy it's to actually talk about some very real issues and even though this show and it the show itself has said it's kind of out there and outlandish and a little bit you know like you said Bex, like you know this stuff doesn't necessarily happen I mean, I don't know. I'm not in this Generation Z, but uh, but still, it's still relatable and realistic in a, in a lot of respects. So, yeah, I I just think it's great. I think it's I've been recommending it to everybody because I just think it's so good. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Otis, and I just wanted to single out Otis just because the show he is the central main main character. I think Maeve is also another really main character, and Eric too, but. Otis is the one who, you know, he has this role as a sex therapist for the students, kind of just, you know, he doesn't mean to, but then he's giving advice to Adam one day. Maeve realizes Adam took the advice and things were a little bit better. And so she is really struggling financially. She's basically, her mom has disappeared. Her mom comes back later. And so she has this idea of let's charge people. You can be a sex therapist for us. And they're using this you know, condemned pretty much a bathroom that has asbestos in it and all this stuff. And so he starts being a sex therapist for the students. So Bex, do you think this was helpful or do you think it crosses any kind of line that he became a sex therapist? It crosses all kinds of lines. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It's a TV show. It's not the real world. So I'm okay with it, right? In the context of this universe, in the context of this show, it's exactly what we want to get from it. It's exactly what the students need. And they do it in a sensitive enough way where it it isn't 
really damaging to the students. Yes, there are a couple of situations where it doesn't work out so well. His advice is not helpful. Um, but then they make that move in, I guess it's season two, where they have Jean come and work at the school. It was season two, yes? Yeah, that Jean yeah. starts working there, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she starts to work at the school. And I think that was fantastic. Like, the idea of actually having a therapist and not just a guidance counselor. I mean, guidance counselors can be great, but they are meant to specialize in sort of the academic side of things. But having like a therapist there on campus is like, that's such a brilliant idea. You know, instead of the school resource officers, let's put therapists <laughs> in the schools. But, um, you know, I like that move because it then gives the students a safe space uh, where they can get actual qualified advice and not just Otis is like, I'm going to go based on what I have heard my mom say either to me or overheard with the clients or whatever. You know, his advice is helpful most of the time. It it does end up working out for him uh, in most instances, but not all of them, obviously. That's why it's not okay that he's doing this. It's not okay that Maeve is doing it. You know, it's one thing if you're friends and you're chatting and you're giving advice, but it's another thing like the financial compensation bit is a little bit uh, over, like that's, that's what makes it cross the line, I think. Um, it, it's still fun to listen to him say what he comes up with as a viewer, but yeah, definitely crosses lines. Yeah. <laughs> and Ishel. Yeah, uh, I agree. It does cross all the lines. <laughs> um, but uh, I do like how they handled it. Same as what Bex was saying, how they did have Gene uh, come in later and take on that role because they realized, okay, this is something that needs to be available to the students. And so the reason he was able to do this and have, you know, such a large um, client base was because people need this and they're looking for it. And so it did reveal reveal that. But I feel like for Otis is when he stepped out of that, like I'm a therapist, but when he started to just like talk to these students as they were, as if they were his peers and make them comfortable and really get to know them as people, that's when he was more successful with the advice that he was, was giving. And so when he, even if he was still taking money for it, it was when he was like, okay, I'm going to take myself out of that role as if I'm this know-it-all person and I'm just going to like speak to you, which is really what therapists ultimately do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um. Yeah, I think it was it was such a neat concept for a show um, and also just a neat concept for um, what was, you know, they saw a money making opportunity. And so I appreciate that part of it. But, yeah, I do like how they ultimately were like, OK, we need to address this, but in a better in a better way. I like what you said, though, about his change in how he approaches the advice, you know, the difference of when he's trying to be clinical versus when he's just trying to be their friend and, and how that changes the success level of his advice. Yeah, because, I mean, it is. It is inappropriate when you look at it because, I mean, he's young. He's still young. He may be wise beyond his years in some aspects, but he's still a young teenage boy. And he shouldn't be necessarily telling his peers how to do certain things it's one thing to talk about it but it's another thing some of his advice of course backfires and I like that they show that and I like that when Gene comes in which he hates of course because it's his mom and you know I mean come on everybody would hate that no matter right. how cool your mom is and you know 
but I like that he gives advice to one student and then the student goes and gets advice from her. And the student even says to him, your advice was shit. <laughs> your advice sucked. Your mom's advice was amazing. She's wonderful. But your advice was awful. And it made everything worse. And I like that because it showed, number one, that, yes, what you're doing is a little bit irresponsible. It's not irresponsible to be open and talking about this stuff. It's irresponsible to be taking money for it and not really know what you're talking about. Just because you overheard your mom and read some of her manuals and saw some videos doesn't mean you're an expert in this. Um, and I think even Otis realizes that. I think he just gets caught up in it. And then I think the other big part of it is he's so madly in love with Maeve that it doesn't, he just wants to be close to her and he wants to have an in with her. And he feels this makes him cool to her. And that's how they grow close. And so I think that's the other reason he does it. And so he's so in that Twitter pated, you know, first love thing that he can't see beyond that, that maybe he shouldn't be giving advice sometimes, or maybe he should be like, maybe you should talk to real expert, you know, talk to my mom. <laughs> so I do like that eventually they bring her in and it's, and, you know, and Jean finding out about that. Uh, you know, and how upset she is with Otis for doing that, I thought was actually nice too, because I think you could have easily done that where she would have been like, oh no, I think that's great that you're doing this. Let's, you know, and later they have a conversation in season, you know, in the last episode of season three, where she does say, I think it's great that you like this, that you want to do this, that you're good at ta you talking, you know, and they talk about it and how he feels like this kind of sense of euphoria after he you know, gives these, this advice. So I think that's good, but I like the fact that they weren't really saying, yes, at, you know, kids should be therapists. <laughs> yeah. they should. This is delicate stuff, but it's good that they, yeah. it also, I think, emphasized that they needed to have Jean there. They needed to have someone that knew this stuff, that sex education is essential and not just putting in one little video, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right that it gives her more credibility as a therapist, too, that she tells him, no, this is not the right thing to do. Even at that point, he knows it himself. But to have that sort of reinforced by someone who is the professional say, like, mm, no, definitely not OK. Well, to be like, there's a reason that I had to go to school for this. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and I think that's what people forget. I think therapy is just like advice, especially when it comes to sex therapy. Like that's something that I was studying when I did my master's. And it's not just like put this part here and do this. Here. <laughs> like that's not sex therapy. And there's a whole lot more to the person who's going to be engaging in these acts that you have to understand and be able to interpret. And so I like that they did. Like, hey, it's not just about telling them what to do in the bedroom. Like, it's about understanding this per this whole person. So, yeah, I agree with you, Aaron, on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really do like the way they handled it, though. And I thought it was an interesting concept and something kind of original. You never really had seen that before. So, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So let's talk a little bit more about Otis and his relationship with his mom, Jean, and a little bit about how that is handled and how that kind of evolves throughout the first three seasons. There is going to be a fourth fourth season, by the way, if everybody doesn't know that. So Bex, what are your overall thoughts on that relationship? It's very awkward to watch. It's very uncomfortable at times. Um, You know, I can't relate with that sort of open conversation style with a parent, the way that the two of them are just like, oh, yeah, you know, she's like, again, I'll go back to that example I used at the beginning, like, oh, I see that you're pretending to masturbate, (laughs) you know, like, okay, you know, but I do think it's really important to have these open and honest relationships. But I get where Otis comes from at certain points in the series where he says, you know, it's like I'm your patient and not your son, right? Because that's not common, as far as I'm aware anyway, um, for parents and children to have such an open conversation about these things, such a, like, it, it, it has this weird line of being like very clinical, but also very um, like inappropriate, almost it, like kind of is that what you're looking for, or like yeah, kind like of kind like of not inserting father, not too much, like insert. Son. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it it just doesn't quite. I don't know. It's it's a bit too much sometimes. You know, I do like that they have a very close relationship and that later on they do have this whole thing like after her whole thing with the baby and in the hospital and he's like, you know, I was worried about you. We are so close. Um no, but he's going to push back. He's a teenager. Like that's natural, I think. And you know, I think we need to push back to grow. And that I that when people, when children, teenagers in particular, don't push back, it's and not always obviously, but often related to being afraid to push back and like what the response will be. And Otis knows he's safe when he pushes back against his mom, right? He knows that she's still going to be there for him. Unlike his father, he knows that she's always there, even when he doesn't want her there, even when he's trying to push her away. There's safety in knowing that she she's not going anywhere. She's not going to abandon him. Um, and so I think that really drives home that closeness between the two of them, which I, I do. I do like that. In, in the end, I really like that dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Michelle? I like I like that we get to see um, them have struggles in their relationship. You would think that if you had a mom who was that open and accepting that you would everything would be great and y'all just be like best friends. But there is a weird tension with them on that. I have a mom who tries to be like, gee, and I'm like, no, we're not we're not doing that. Uh, And because it is kind of an awkward thing and not everybody wants to have those conversations with a with a parent. And so I do like that tension between them. And I also like that Jean doesn't have all of her personal relationships figured out. You would think, oh, she's this expert on relationships. So we get to see, not only with her son, but with her ex-husband, with 
the guys that she just kind of sees. And then with Jakob, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so I really appreciate how we kind of see both of them. We see Otis struggle with his relationship stuff. And we see Jean with hers. And I like to kind of think about the comparison between the two of them and in what ways they're similar in how they're interacting with other people. And be it in their friendships. Like, I love the friendship between Jean and um, Mrs. Groff. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, so I like to see those similarities in, in how they're very different, how Otis and Jean are very different. So I really appreciated that, the emphasis that we got to see on that, on that relationship. And I did not know there was a season four coming. So I'm pretty excited about, about that. Yeah, I would have been very sad if season three was the end. <laughs> because there are a lot of things left up in the air and actually if if, if you didn't know uh for Shit's creek's fan Shit's creek fans out there daniel levy is going to be in season four so yeah so just, do we just, know if um emma mckay uh that's mave is she yes, going to be back that's i know they daniel recorded coming in Okay, okay. He's going to be like at the school that she is. He's going to be like, uh, I can't remember what it is in the article I read. Okay. But yeah, I wasn't sure if like that maybe had conflicted with the Barbie movie or something. And so that's why they they kind of wrote it in a way where if she couldn't come back, they could make it work. But I'm glad they were able to get her back. Yeah, I mean, because they that's what they said in the article that I read is he's going to, that's what he is about. So my guess is, I don't know this for sure, everybody, but- my guess would be maybe they have some stuff that that is, um, you know, that's that's in um, that's in the United States and some stuff that isn't. So that would be that would be my guess. I don't know that for sure, but yeah, especially with and I'm excited to see Daniel. We'll have to come back to this when the season comes out and see if Aaron's <laughs> prediction was right. I like it. I know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I have I have my my big thoughts about that about about her leaving, but I'll save that when we get to the other characters. So I have a mom that is very open. I I mean, I think for some Gen Xers, they had moms, not necessarily that were like, and my mom's not to this extent, not to Jean's extent, but that were to this extent a little bit because they were, you know, like the hippies and stuff. And so sometimes they would try to be a little bit more open and give their children a lot more freedom. And so my mom and I had a very open relationship, but we never talked about this kind of stuff. Um, but we always had that where she had very much open door policy. I've said it before. She was like a surrogate mother to a lot of my friends and really treated my friends who I was friends with all of the kind of people that are in this show, all the outcasts and all the quote unquote freaks. And I was one of them. And my school was actually a very open, open school. The school I ended up graduating from in high school, my high school was like that it was very open minded. It was a lot actually like this. It was filled with a lot of kids like this and the teachers were very very open-minded and stuff so I was very fortunate in that respect but still those kids that were at that school they didn't have parents necessarily that were accepting of them and so my mom served as kind of the surrogate mom and you can see that a little bit with Jean in this too um but my mom and I never talked about this kind of stuff yeah (laughs) I would not want to talk to my mom about this kind of stuff hi mom I know you listen to my show a lot so if you listen to this by chance (laughs) she tried to I told my mom I'm like I know you're I I warn you there is a lot of sex in this show but I think you might appreciate it because I hesitated recommending it to her but she loves love stories and uh, so I'm like gotcha you might like this 
And she said, I lasted like three minutes. There's just too much. Sex. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Like you're you're just like it it you're right, it's not voyeuristic, but like at the same time, you're like It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of yeah. I mean, especially growing fun. up very pure in this very puritanical world. Like I it, my mom is like we're sort of the in-between generations, right? Like I'm I'm right on the cusp of Gen X and Millennial, but um I I'd rather identify with Gen X. <laughs> Whoa, thank you. I'm like, we're the forgotten generation, so that's nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but we're also from New England, the Northeast. Like, if you're yeah. talking about puritanical culture, we have it down pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean you know, I, I think it helped that my mom was I, a lot of hippies, I think, actually became yuppies and became really, you know, my mom didn't, but a lot of hippies did. Mm -hmm. They became exactly what they were supposedly fighting against. And that's a lot of what Gen X had to deal with and all this stuff. Anyway, we won't, won't get into that too much, but I know we have a lot of Gen X listeners, so <laughs> which is awesome to me because we are the forgotten generation. <laughs> we'll always say that because we are. People talk about boomers and then they talk about millennials and we're yep. right here. Yep. Um, but hey, we were we were very much left on our own device for our own device. We were growing up, so hey, it's the same thing. <laughs> if you if you had a key to get into the house by yourself after school, then you're Jenna. <laughs> oh yeah. You'd be out until the lights came up and then you come home. You mm -hmm. know, it was very much it was very much that like I kind of feel bad sometimes for generations that they don't have that where they're going out all the time and they're not inside. We were during the summer, we were very rarely ever inside. It was like we were out exploring, having adventures. Anyway. Even if I was outside reading a book, I was outside because that's just where they sent me. <laughs> yes, it's like, go away now. <laughs> no, I was talking to my mom actually about that today. And she's like, yeah, but you you had people caring for you until certain. I'm like, mom, those babysitters, those, those babysitters you left us with, they'd be watching soaps and they'd be like, go play. They weren't like sitting there. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. You, you had a, we would come home for lunch maybe or we'd go to another person's house but it was very much they were like oh, I'm getting paid to watch tv and do my homework it wasn't like mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah um okay anyway <laughs> but but I did like their relationship and that what I appreciated about it is even though um I think there were times where Jean forgot to put away her therapist thing or th to put that away and to just be a mom I do like their relationship overall and I what I also appreciated kind of going to the other parents is not it wasn't like she was the only open-minded parent and she was the only one who was like really accepting and there were different degrees of that you know Adam's mom who became really good friends with Jean was actually very sweet and open and really really wanted to connect to her son and it was just she was in an unhappy marriage. And with even her husband, Michael, you see him kind of growing in the third season and uh, coming to a realization that, you know, he wasn't a very good father, or a good husband and and all this stuff. So it wasn't like you just had only one good parent in this whole town. You know, you had a bunch of good parents to different degrees. There were bad parents. I'm not saying there were they were all good but I appreciated that, you know, you had um, Ruby's father, you know, when you finally met him and the whole scene where he, you know, he has 
um, MS and he's sitting there getting high and just <laughs> get there. And it was like, oh, see, there's, you know, it's not just Jean who's open and it's not just that. I appreciated that too a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about the other characters. And first off, I just want to know what your general thoughts are on the characters, Bex. Yeah. And then you can tell me what your one favorite character. I know that's hard. I'm sorry. Other than Otis and Jean. You can't mention Otis or Jean. Uh, okay. Other than those two. Because we already talked about them. Okay. So, yeah. Well, actually, what you were saying about the parents being, like, very multidimensional across the different families, that is a big part of what I liked about so many of these other characters, right? They explored a lot of these characters, you know, maybe in the first season, they might've seemed a little two dimensional, but there's only so many stories you can cover in one season, but characters like Anwar and Ruby and, and Olivia, like in that first season, you're just like, Oh, they're those kids, whatever. Mm. And then you actually get into their experiences and their, their lives outside of their school identity and start to understand where they're coming from. Even Adam's father, which I am still not okay with him, getting those flashbacks to how he was bullied by his father and his brother gives you at least some insight into how he ended up where he was. Not, not to say that forgives, like that excuses what he did, and how he treats Adam, but you understand it a little better, right? Um, the the family dynamics established across all of these characters, Eric and his parents, and like what in what ways he's allowed to express himself and not, and the the conversation he has with his father about like this is who I am and I need to be authentic to myself, you know. Um, I really like that they dig into each of those things, and. You said I'm only allowed to say one. Okay. <laughs> Damn, I mean. I well, mean. well, I was going to say just because like I have a special soft spot for Jakob, but whatever. He's not my favorite. My favorite is going to be Eric. And that's the one time I'm really glad I'm going first <laughs> because I'm going to like, not that y'all can't love Eric the most too, but <laughs> I just, I am a sucker for sidekicks and he is not a sidekick per se, but he is the best friend character. You know, I just, I really like his friendship with Otis. And so because I see Otis as the main character, Eric, while he gets a full story and he gets well-developed, he is to me like the second in, in this one particular friendship. And I love those characters so much, you know. Um, he's such a good friend to Otis. They have their fights. They have their differences. They have, like, conflict, which is normal and natural. But he always insists on being his true self. Like, he's not in the closet, whether that was his choice or not. Um, you know, he is open at school. He has insecurities about being himself too though right it's not like i'm me and totally out and proud and everything in your face it's sometimes i you know i do shut down and so i'm like especially when you see him go out for his birthday and otis has missed the bus and um and when he is confronted walking home 
And yeah, I mean, I won't get into that because it's very, episode. it's very traumatic. Uh, his relationships, both with Rahim and with Adam, I like the way in which those relationships help him understand himself better and what he needs and what he wants. And when it's time to walk away, when it's time for for him to just focus on his sel- himself, his relationship with his parents, just his growth as a character. I absolutely adore him. I would, hands down, he's my favorite. Yes, I, I, I love him too. <laughs> Ishel, your overall thoughts and then your favorite. And you can mention Eric too. It's fine. Okay. Can, everyone. Yeah. Okay. Well, they do a really good job with the ensemble cast in this show. I will say that like there's, there's really not a time where I'm watching the show where I'm not entertained by whoever's in front of me on the screen. Like Otis is not even in my top three characters and I like Otis, but it's just, there are so many good people on there and they handle that so well. Like, like Bex was saying, they do make you care about these people eventually. Like at first you might put them in each category, like, like a Jackson, for example, like, Oh, he's just a swimmer overachiever, you know, goody two shoes, but there's so much going on with him, you know, that we get to see with his story and they just do a really, really good job of that to balance that many characters. And you only have so many episodes. I mean, these eight episode seasons and for the most like season two and season three, and you only got, you know, less than an hour and they are juggling a lot and you, you still care about it. And it's, there are times when things are heavy. There are times when things are light and, so I just, yeah, they gave us a lot to choose from when you try to pick a pick a character that you love. And n- nobody is set as the, like, standard or this is the moral authority or whatever. Nobody is, is set like that. And so we really just get to take in each person for whatever they're bringing, each family relationship, each personal relationship, like friends or uh, romantic or platonic. And I just, I applaud them for the way that they did that and how they're juggling all of that. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite, you know, the person, the person that I would pluck out and put into my real life would be Eric. But if I had to pick a favorite for their journey, it's Adam for me. I love a person who is, um, kind of, uh, very complex, (laughs) you know, and he starts in one place and then you want to just immediately write him off. And he just seems like, you know, just kind of hopeless and like, why should I care about this guy? But as we get to see what he's experiencing with his father and how downtrodden he is, and then he's got, he's been dismissed by pretty much everybody around him. And so he starts to live down to that. And when he starts to kind of accept more things about himself and to embrace himself and to allow himself to be a little bit more free, you know, stand up a little straighter and just kind of be a little bit more of who he is then I think we get a very beautiful story with him that Eric does help help bring out. And so, yeah, I think that would be my favorite. I mean, he's so kind of, he's very inappropriate <laughs> at times. He's, you know, kind of a sloppy mess sometimes. But I think that's the one where uh, my heart is very soft toward that character. Yeah, my 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 general thoughts on is that I love a lot. I love a lot, a lot of these characters. There are very few characters in here that I actually don't like to some degree or not. Um, And what I appreciate is so many of these characters get such an arc, you know, a real, real arc where they grow a lot. Like with taking the character Ruby, for instance, you know, 
Ruby is covering up so much pain that she's dealing with, uh, with her father. And also she has shame with the fact that she does, she doesn't come from a very wealthy family and she likes to give off this appearance that she does. And so when she starts dating Otis in season three, and then she takes Otis home and Otis is the first person to see her house and to meet her father. And what a big deal that was for her. And that was such a different side of her. It was like she was vulnerable for the first time in the show. And then my heart just broke for her when she tells Otis she loves him. And watching that and watching him and I'm just like, oh, Otis. I, and, and I understand, you know, you shouldn't tell someone you love them if you don't love them. And I understand where he's coming from. But my heart just broke, especially the way he reacted to that. Like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> like, Oh, dude, you're such a guy. And it was <laughs> and it was just so uh and I mean, we all knew it cuz you know, he's in love with Maeve and it's all about Maeve, but I I just my heart broke for her because she was being real and really vulnerable and letting that guard down and letting that facade of perfection that she has built up so that people don't get close to her and she lets it down with this person that she felt safe with. And then to have that be the reaction, my heart just broke for her. And that was a character that in the first season, I really didn't care about. And so I love the fact that that grew. And uh, with the Adam character, uh, I, you know, I I knew from the very beginning when he was bullying Eric in the first episode, I went, oh, yep, that's who he likes. I just was like, I just could just tell it right away. Mm -hmm. And so then when it started, so then it kept going, I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong. And then finally when, you know, when they're cleaning the, that room or organizing that room and then he kisses and then Adam kisses Eric and then they kiss and around and then he gives him, you know, a blowjob. Then I was like, oh, oh, see, I was right. I was right from the very beginning. But I love his journey a lot, too. And I'm glad that he got a shout out as a favorite character because I know I've read some stuff in the fandom that they don't well, – some people in the fandom don't really like him because they consider him still a bully. But I think also what they don't like is that in the third season he became such like a – they made him – they feel like they made him stupider or something with the – you know, with getting food on himself when they go on that double date um, and all that. But what I loved about him in – um and since I'll call it another character as my favorite, because I, I, there's too many to choose from. So it was hard for me to, um, but I loved that he started becoming a dog trainer. And when he went and did that competition and he didn't win, but he got singled out as like the best new th and seeing him smile. Cause this is a character in the beginning, never smiled and seeing him smile a few times in season three was just so heartwarming. And so just touched my heart and I love his journey. And then him coming out to his mom. And even though his mom already knows at that point, but the way that she handled that too. And the fact that she let him say it and didn't say, I know, but instead just kind of let him say it and didn't interrupt him, didn't stop him, and then hugged him. And the way that was played was so, oh, it was so beautiful. And he breaks my heart and I feel for him. And I really was mad at Eric for what he did to him. And <laughs> even though I love Eric so, so dang much, I still was mad. I understood it. And I understand where, Eric, where, where Eric's coming from. But at the same time, I'm like, 
you got to give Adam some grace here. He's trying. He's trying. This is a big thing. But I understand because there are different places in their life. But it's still, I was just, my heart just broke for him. So I think yeah, because we get to see inside each of their experiences that they, as characters, don't get to understand about one another. We know where Adam's coming from. We're like, it's okay, Eric. Like, you you can give him this chance. Whereas Eric doesn't see everything that Adam's going through. It's, so that that like dramatic irony bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Aaron, you made me think about something. And then people don't have to like all the characters. Of course you don't. But uh, I think it's less that he is stupid or whatever. But it's he's never had to care about things like that because he was always written off anyway. It was always like, you're never going to live up to our expectations mm -hmm. anyway, is what his dad had told him. And then what everybody around him kind of picked up. So he's just, he's just not very aware of that part of himself. Like, so what if he walks around with ketchup spilled on his shirt? Like nobody's ever cared about that from him because they never expected him to be much of anything anyway. So it's just now that he is having to learn, I guess, how to present himself socially <laughs> uh, because before no one wanted to get to know him. And so he, didn't make an effort to get to know anybody else or to, mm. yeah, to be socially acceptable, I guess. Yeah. Like he had never really, he had never had friends. He had never had anyone in his life that gave a crap about him that he felt gave a crap about him. And so he's getting that for the first time, you know, with, with, um, with Ola, that, that was like the first person ever when he says, you're, you're the first person that's ever been my friend, you're my friend. And for him to have that is so important. And, so essential to his growth as well. And so I think, like you said, I mean, if you're told over and over again, you don't matter and what you're thinking doesn't matter and you're just a bully and even your father doesn't give a crap about you, has no faith in you, then you're going to start believing that. And that's what happened to him. And, and, you know, he's, he was on that path to become like his father, but I think he now is not on that path. Hopefully he will stay. I think it'll be interesting. I have some other predictions. And if we have time, I'll ask everybody what they want to see happen in season three and maybe some predictions I have. Because I have a prediction, another little love story thing for 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 Adam and somebody else. I won't say it right now. Uh, but my favorite character, I'm going to give a sh shout out to, even though I would say probably Eric and Adam would be my favorites. Um, but I'm going to give a shout out to Maeve because I, I love this character a lot and I love, um, I just, I think she's beautiful inside and out and she has an interesting journey and I hate that she's described as a bad girl because I think she's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. and she's, she's a survivor. So smart. Yeah, and she's so smart. And I love the fact, I've mentioned this before, when women do not choose a man over their dreams and the fact that in the end, she does not choose. And it's not that I, and I ship Otis and Maeve. I want to say, I actually really ship them together, but I'm so glad she chose to leave and take this opportunity. And I just, I adore her. I, I relate to her in a lot of respects. Um, I knew a lot of Maeve's growing up and, you know, she is trying so hard to survive and to be something and to not be her mother and to not let her mother's abandonment of her and not having a father and then her brother being a script. She's trying to not be that. She's trying to be more than that. And she's trying to be taken seriously and she's trying to get respect. And she's trying to also act like she doesn't care what other people think about her, but she so desperately does care what people think about her. And so I just, I just like watching that going up and down and I like her 
watching her relationships with people and some of it is heartbreaking um but some of it is so wonderful and amazing and i do love that she chose herself and i love her relationship with amy that is such a great female friendship right there such a great relationship and amy you know we haven't talked about amy and amy is the one who does have she's on the bus and a guy um basically masturbates on her and gets off right right like he's touching her and she is like that wasn't you know that's not my that's she blames herself a lot for that and then she can't get on the bus and so her realizing that that was a sexual assault and coming to that realization and having Maeve help her with that and having Jean help her with that and having a lot of people help her through that was just so wonderful and her getting that emotional support goat and <laughs> I really like Amy a lot, but her and Maeve's relationship is just such a beautiful thing because they both even say, hey, we have each other. We don't need anybody else. We're going to be our moms. We're going to be each other's moms because they both have bad moms. They don't have good relationships with their moms. So they are going to be their second moms. And I love that Amy says, as your second mom, don't choose a guy. What would you say to me? Don't choose a guy. Choose yourself. And that was so important. So I just, I love Maeve. I think she's, and she's, she's so beautiful. She's just so gorgeous inside and out. And the performance is great. I want to say that all the performances in the show are spectacular. Everybody is so, so good. Okay. So I know this might be hard too, because I have a bunch of ships in this show, a bunch of relationships I love. So Bex, what's your favorite one? So I have a favorite friendship and a favorite romantic. Is that allowed? If I go real I'll quick, if I go real I'll quick. Okay. Well, because the favorite friendship is going to build off of what you just said. It's Maeve and Amy. Their friendship is my absolute favorite. And for all the reasons you were just talking about, they're real with one another. They support one another. That's the kind of thing that you want in a best friend, right? And they're genuinely there for each other. And I just, if there's any relationship that I need to like, be strong at the end of this series it's that friendship so romantically i'm gonna bring up another one that i think you mentioned earlier um which is otis and ruby that is that's my otis ship <laughs> and i look i love mave but and i do love otis in that they had a fun dynamic i just i get a little annoyed with the will they won't they will they won't they back and forth like Either put them together or don't put them together. And since they're not putting them together right now, then, yeah, Otis and Ruby is is it for me. I just, again, you mentioned this, the vulnerability. Ruby's vulnerability around Otis. It's like, I, I mean, I'm counting after he stood up to her, right? Because initially she's kind of just like, dra like dragging him around. He's like a little puppy following her kind of thing. But um, when their dynamic, their relationship dynamic changed and there was this actual trust between them to the point where, she, like you said, she brought him to meet her father and to see her home and things that like probably Anwar and Olivia hadn't even seen, right? They hadn't. She said they hadn't. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just, I just really like them together. And I was very sad that he didn't say it back to like... Like you said, for the same reasons, I, I get why he didn't. If you don't feel it, don't say it. But like, man, I wanted him to feel it. <laughs> so those are my two real quick ones. 
<laughs> yeah, those, those are the good ones. And I did say, you know, because this isn't my favorite one, so I'll just say, I did say I ship Otis and Maeve, but I will say I'd be fine if Otis ended up with Ruby, and I'd be fine if Maeve ended up with Isaac. So I, so even though I ship those two, I actually am fine with the other ones, which is very rare. That very rarely happens. So yeah, I'm not a huge Isaac fan. He's just kind of like I do get where he's coming from, but like, ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, when he deleted the voicemail from, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that was so awful and horrible. And I hated him at that point. But then I grew to love him again. Yeah. So it's like, you know, and I and I think they have really good chemistry. So, yeah. But that says everything about the writing and how well they do it, right? That's true. That's very true. Yeah. See, they make the characters complex. They're not just good, bad, good, bad. So, Ishelle. Yeah, I think it's a little tricky for me with the with the ships as far as the like students go because they are so young and I I, can't, I know that they're going to change a lot and I'm like you, whoever you pick today like in a year you, y'all will be totally different people and so I'm a little bit more like oh, okay you know, you know with with those couples I was going to say I was going to go with Adam and Eric but they might be at a point where it is time for them to kind of move in different directions especially since Adam is able to voice to to his mother for sure that no I did have a boyfriend and we broke up and so now that he's out to her and maybe he'll be able to explore some other options that Aaron's going to tell us about later (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah so I was going to say them and then I thought about Ala and Lily but I don't think I would I would uh yeah hang my hat on that one is my favorite I'm so I'm going to go a little out of left field and I'm going to go with the two teachers, Colin and Emily, but I forget their, I think he's Mr. Hendricks and I forget her name. But I'm going to go with them <laughs> because I like p- mismatched pairings. <laughs> so I'm going to go with them and then I'm going to pick a friendship and say, um, I'm going to go Ala and Adam, even though Jackson and Vivian are another uh, one that I really like. So many, (laughs) so many good pairings. I know. I'm giving you like ten. I I cheated right there. (laughs) Because also, like Gene and Jacob, I I liked them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But now there's a whole question with this Mm -hmm. DNA thing. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But final answer: friendship. I'm going all in Adam, and then relationship. I'm going the two teachers. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say really quickly, Jackson, and, and quick trigger warning here for self-harm. I I loved watching Jackson's journey. I just want to say, I forgot to say that when I was talking about other characters, and I meant to because I wrote it down. I wrote a quick note about saying, make sure to mention self-harm. I know, but it's so hard because there's so many great yeah, characters and exactly. stories you forget. I got, <laughs> I got caught up in the other ones. Um, but what I loved about that is he wasn't just some jock that they just kind of wrote off and he has an incredible journey and he's pushed so hard and he doesn't want to be this swimmer and he feels like he's the glue holding his um, his two mothers relationship together. And that's a lot of stress and pressure for for a kid to be dealing with. And so he does a lot of self-harm behavior and you know he breaks his hand and all this stuff. And that was so agonizing to watch. Um, and watch him go through that. And yeah, his, and I echo the 
friendship with Jackson and Viv and then and then him also struggling with, you know, his his attraction to someone who is non-binary and, you know, and what does that mean for him and and, you know, all that. I just I think he's a really fascinating character, too. I And I just I, and the actor is amazing, too. And I love mm-hmm. watching him. So and his yeah. mom is Hannah Waddingham, who's Rebecca yeah, from- in Ted's Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, my favorite, I'll go with the romantic one, is, and even though they're broken up and I have a theory of what's going to happen and they probably won't get back together, but it's it's Adam and Eric. It just is. That was my favorite one from the beginning. <laughs> and it remained. Um, and I just, I've already said a lot about Adam. Um, and I know a lot of people are upset with Eric because Eric kissed another guy and that he said he didn't regret it i i want to say i totally understand why he doesn't regret that and he's young and i'm not saying that you should it's okay to cheat or anything like that and and adam has every right to be angry and upset and hurt like he was and is but I understood it in that situation because he is in a place he was in, you know, he was in Nigeria and he was in a place where it is illegal to be gay. And he was watching people who, even though it was illegal, they were still risking everything to still be themselves. And I think for him seeing that and then knowing Adam isn't ready to come out to his mom at that point and all this stuff, I think for him, it was like this real spotlight on something that he he's like, I'm ahead of Adam and his growth here. And I don't know if I can be in the same place. I don't know. I don't want to hide. And even though there's a part of me that's like, oh, but Adam's trying. He's growing. I wanted him to be at that. I wanted him to watch at the dog thing so badly. <laughs> you know, but but I understand it. I do understand it. And so I, I forgive it, but I still ship them. And I just wanted to read really quickly. And then I'll just, I already gave my favorite female friendship, but, um, and friendship overall, but I just want to read the poem that Adam wrote and that Raheem is reading, you know, and, and it's goes, a boy I don't like told me to write from the heart. I didn't know what that meant because I never knew I had one. I never knew I had a heart till you said you kissed a boy I haven't met. Then I knew I had a heart because I thought it might stop. And when I thought my heart might stop beating, I realized it had always been there, but it didn't fe- it didn't know how to feel until I thought about losing you. I knew we wouldn't last forever. I was waiting for this day, but I hope we can fix things. And if we can't, I will always thank you for showing me I have a heart. I mean, oh my gosh, that makes me want to cry just reading it. No, it's because that's just, oh, I loved that. I loved that so so much. And I really hope, I really hope Eric gets to hear that someday. (laughs) That's my hope. Yeah, it Um, just shows so much for Adam's growth. Like what can happen for him in season four, whether it's with Eric or not, like just like recognizing his emotions, feeling those emotions and being able to communicate with at least one of his parents, like all of these things are starting to open up for him. And I just want to see good things for him for sure. Me too. Yes. yes. Same, same, same. (laughs) Yeah. And my favorite friendship, as I've already said, is Maeve and Amy's. I just adore that friendship so much, but there are, like everyone said, great friendships all around that I really, really appreciate in this show. So I put the music in the show on here because 
I love the music in this show so damn much. And a lot of that reason is because a lot of this music is from my generation. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this song, this song. And it makes sense if they're going for the John Hughes and that kind of thing to put a lot of 80s and 90s music in here. It makes sense. So Bex, I just want to know, do you, I, I know you're not as big of a music person as I am, but do you love the music? <laughs> I, it, I It's been a minute since I watched it. So like when I saw this question on the thing, I was like, music music and i started like googling what the music was in the episodes and it's really funny because like you know and i think i might have said this before i don't recall but like i don't pick up a lot on the music unless there's something off about the music if it works then it just kind of happens and the only time i like really think about the music is usually when my husband's like did you see that did you hear that in the music like did you notice this and i'm like no but cool i like it you know um so I really just want to leave it to you all, and I want to hear what you have to say. I'm very excited. <laughs> so, Ishelle, do you? Well, yeah, mine will be more general, though, more broad. I do like the music in the show, and I like how they incorporate it into what's going on in some of the scenes, but in into the dialogue sometimes. very clever what they do with the music. I can't call out like specific scenes and connections or songs or whatever, because I didn't write that part down. But um, I do. I really did appreciate them. I'm a big music person. I love vinyl records. So I'm jealous of Otis's vinyl collection. <laughs> I know. Me too, man. <laughs> yeah. I would like to have that for myself. Um, But uh, yes, I really do love the music in the show. I like. Yeah, it's very well done. I like when they pay attention to little details like that. Yes. Yes. The, the music was like it made me fall in love with the show even more. Because of the fact that it's so so many songs that I just love and have a whole, hold a special place in my heart. And hearing not one but two the the songs. And not many people know about this band. This band is my, is like, I mean, you know, yes, Depeche Mode is also my heart and soul band. But their, their album Dusk, the the's album Dusk is like basically like taking my soul, putting two lyrics and that's what that album is. And then also a lot of their other songs and, you know, hearing like This Is The Day, which has been used in other movies like Empire Records, most notably. It's the end song there. But hearing that again was amazing. It makes sense because they're they're a British band. So I think a lot of these you would hear more in a show like this because they're probably a little bit more popular over there. But I loved hearing them. That was like, oh, my heart. And then... The Promise, the song The Promise by When in Rome. And you hear that. Doo -doo 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 -doo. I can't do it very well, but this is the piano melody. And then, you know, the whole, oh my gosh, I can just hear it in my head. But if you know the song, The Promise, I won't sing too much of it because copyright stuff. So I won't get into singing it. But that song is like, oh, it's like that song, like when you love somebody or when you're falling in love or falling out of love or you're having a hard time in a relationship that's the song it's just so beautiful and oh gosh hearing that song um and it was at a scene where it was kind of like that where you know there is turmoil and there's a little bit of heartbreak but there's also a lot of hope was just oh i loved that and then i also just want to shout there is um an amy mann song in here that is also the Amy Mann song that in Magnolia, all the characters sing towards the end. 
the song Save Me by Amy Mann. So, and we're going to be talking about Magnolia later this year. Ishelle's going to be on there. And I'm still hoping to get Finn Whitrock on this episode. It's going to happen. Because <laughs> he loves that movie. And you can come on and gush about it with me. So, Finn, come on. I'm going to just reach out to your people. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Yeah. I mean, hey, worst thing that can happen is they can say no. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, so I just wanted to shout out the music quickly because I was just so happy when I heard all these wonderful, amazing '80s and '90s songs, and oh, I love that. Okay, well, I want to know this. I know this wasn't on the outline, but I just was like, oh, I want to ask. So, what would you love to see in season four, Bex? What is like your number one biggest hope in season four? Oh my goodness. Um... <laughs> There's just so many amazing characters to to pick from, but I I think it would be some really strong positive growth and support for Adam. I think seeing him grow more, you know, because over the course of the show, he's probably the character with the most growth, and I'd like to see that continue for him. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm really just excited to to see how it all plays out, what they do with it. I know we like the whole DNA thing with the baby. I really want it to be Yakov's baby. I really 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 do, but like I don't get that impression from the scene. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Sadly. Um, but that cuz I just I really just like him. I just like him a lot, and so I want him to have all the happiness as well. And, yeah, I don't know. I just I want good things for our characters. <laughs> That's all. I, I'm, I'm simple here. I just, just want good things. I, I, I agree. I want that same thing for the baby, too. I don't, but I have a feeling with the look on her face. But who knows? They could be trying to throw us, so you never know. So, Ishelle. Um, yeah, I want good things for Adam too. But since, uh, since Bex is going to be the one to manifest that, then I'm going to say, <laughs> I'll speak on Maeve's behalf. I want her to just get to enjoy herself or, you know, whatever she's doing. If, if we are going to see her doing this little study abroad thing that she's doing, I want her to be able to really soak that up and enjoy it without all of the pressure and responsibilities that have been on her shoulders pretty much since season one. So I want her to, yeah, just get to enjoy herself and get her learn on and <laughs> have some fun. Get her learn on. Get her yeah. learn on. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I yes, second I that. I, 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 that's good. I'll do the one, you do the other. We'll get them both to happen. Yes. Yes. No, I I, I agree. Um, I agree with pretty much like I, I ditto everything. I want everybody to be happy and a lot more growth and growth for everybody, which will happen, I'm sure. Um, I, you know, I, I, my prediction, I'm just going to give predict a couple of a prediction I have for Adam. I think Adam and Raheem are going to end up together. And I love, everyone knows my favorite trope is enemies to lovers and they hated each other. And I don't know, they seem to be developing a friendship. That's my prediction. That Even bus though ride. I ship what? That bus ride. The whole thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was. Right. I was like, "Well, Adam, Adam took one for the team there." <laughs> he did. He did. He did. Ooh. 
but but you can tell you know i actually expected raheem to show up at the dog thing i was really surprised he didn't show up at the dog competition um but that's my prediction is i think we're gonna see a romance between those two uh develop and eric is gonna be very unhappy about this <laughs> Um, yeah. And then a shout out really quickly to the scene. And I tweeted about it when Adam goes in the middle of the play and goes up there and says, can I hold your hand to Eric? And then when he adds the please, oh, my heart. Oh, that was just oh, so shout out to that scene again, because that's probably my favorite. One of my favorite scenes. So, yeah. Okay, well, we, I know both of my panelists are playing Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. So it is time to play Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. I'm so excited that both my panelists are playing because this doesn't happen every time unless I have my Finn crew on. So I'm very excited about this. I know it's after September 1st and we don't have our Six Degrees of Finn intro song. I apologize. I, I just need to find some royalty free music because the lyrics are already written. I just have to find that and send it to Carla and, you know, Finn, like I said, if you still want to do backup vocals, you're more than welcome to Matt Bomer. Since I know you're a really good singer. Remember you can come and sing with about your friend Finn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Bex. Okay. How did you connect Finn? Can you say his name again? Finn Whitrock. No, not Finn, Whit not Finn Whitrock. The, um, the, the actor who plays Eric. Shuti. Shuti. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, well, it's kind of a, a double here because it's Shuti Gatwa and, and Emma McKee. So they're both in sex education and they're both in the new Barbie movie that's coming out. Very excited for this Barbie movie. Probably more excited than I have any right to be, but yes, I'm very I'm excited. I'm excited for it too. So. Um, Brian Gosling is also in the new Barbie movie. And then... Ryan Gosling was in the big short with Finn Whitrock. Yes, I did it. <laughs> and I did it myself this time. I didn't need Kim's help. <laughs> no. nope. I, and I like that you connected it to the big short instead of the other movie he was in with Ryan Gosling. Oh, okay. Well, I just did a Google well, and that was the first one that came up. <laughs> no, no, I like that because oh, I like the big short so dang much. So. Which also features our unofficial mascot, Christian Effing Bale. So, there. <laughs> so, Ishelle, how did you connect Finn? Okay, I had to use all six degrees, but there's really, it's really because I'm still, I think, have only seen one movie with Finn Rittrock, which I'm going to change. <laughs> so, I always have to go through that movie. <laughs> okay, but I went, so Daniel, I think it's. Ings, I'm not sure. Ings is in this movie, and I went with him because he's in another show that I really like, so I, I picked him. So he is in Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on your preferences, uh, with <laughs> with Keira Knightley, who is in Love Actually with Andrew Lincoln, who is in The Walking Dead with Denai Gurira. I think is it's something like I think that. That's how you pronounce her. Name. Yeah, and then she's in the Avengers movies with Mark Ruffalo, who is then in the Normal Heart. <laughs> I like it, but I wanted to pull in uh, Andrew Lincoln because I love him and I love Denai also. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love her too. Someday we will cover The Walking Dead, a show that I quit. <laughs> yeah, I'm behind. I, I yeah, quit too. I'm very behind. It made like, me angry, so I quit I'm like three or four seasons behind. I'm gonna catch up, but yeah. Kudos to you. 
Uh, but I've got like all kinds of walking, like you've got your Michael Myers stuff. I've got like walking dead stuff everywhere. Um, <laughs> so then you'll have to be on that show. Yeah. So right? then we do it. I'm thinking we might actually do it next year or sometime. I don't know. It'll I'm happen gonna, sometime. I'm going to need a lot of time to catch up. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll be late in the, the year. Okay, so. good. Yeah, maybe we'll do it as part of our horror month. I don't know. Okay, so I used Jason Isaac, who plays Michael's brother in this, who is he's he's a jerk. His character is a jerk. Jason Isaac is a phenomenal actor. I just want to say this offhand. A phenomenal, very, very underrated actor. Go watch the movie Mass. Go watch that movie. That was the, one of the best movies from last year. Four of the best performances. Shame on you, Academy. Again. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> love that movie so dang much so go watch it he's a terrific actor but he was in the movie a cure for wellness with dane dehan another great actor who was in the movie the place beyond the pines another great movie with another great actor mahershala ali who was in moonlight of course which was directed by barry jenkins who also directed if beale street could talk another fantastic film and finn whitrock is in that movie he is I like to call him, he's the token white guy in the movie, which is so awesome. He's played the token white guy in a couple of movies, and I like that. <laughs> we need more token white guys. <laughs> Sorry, I had to, and I think that's the first time we've used if Beale Street could talk. So it's nice to have new ones, and it's nice when we don't just use American Horror Story. Uh, but if you'd like to play the listener version of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock, which, once again, I combined August and September since I posted late, uh, head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click on the page titled Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. And we are playing this time with Bojack Horseman, Promising Young Woman, Superstore, and Scare Me, which was written and directed and stars one of our favorite people, Josh Rubin. And remember, we have covered. All of these things that we use for the listener version. So if you go to our website and you just click on these titles, you can listen to the episodes if you haven't before. Promising Young Woman is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. That movie um, means a lot to me personally. So I recommend that one. I know some people have mixed feelings on that movie, and I totally understand it. And Ishelle was on our BoJack Horseman episode, and Bex was on our Superstore episode, which was the very first episode Bex appeared on for this podcast. And then, of course, with Scare Me, if you also want to get more um, info about that movie, I did a great interview with Josh Rubin last year and we delved really deep into that movie josh is an amazing incredible human being honestly and he's an incredible artist so we always like to give him a shout out because he's he's a, he's supported us he's also was also on our donnie darko episode with his wonderful now wife congratulations again um lauren sick who is an amazing person and an amazing director too so go support them. Go watch Werewolves Within. And he's also, there is another movie coming out called um, A Sacred Deer, where he is going to be playing a serial killer. And I cannot wait to watch this movie. So keep an eye on that. He's an amazing human being, like I said, and very supportive. And he's just great. So support everything he does as well. Uh, and then also a quick reminder before I have everyone close out and say where they can be found. Another thing you can find on our website is our signups for our second annual horror trivia event. So if you go to itsafandomthingpod.com again and you click on the page titled second annual horror trivia event, you can find out what dates, times, 
uh, what categories, and then you can click on the link to join the fun. We are asking for a $5 donation through our Buy Me a Coffee account, but like I said, all of that money is going to be going to uh, a one Black Lives Matter organization, one Stop Asian Hate organization. It will be of the winner's choice. So all of that money is going to a good cause. If you do become a Patreon supporter before you sign up, though, that $5 is waived. So you have until October 1st or until we get 20 people who have signed up, whichever one comes first. So go to the show notes and click that link or go over to our website. So I want to thank both Ishelle and Bex for being on this episode with me. This was a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that I put this on the schedule because then I watched the show. And I'm so glad I watched the show. This I love this show so, so much. I was kind of sad when I ended my binge yesterday. So, <laughs> so I can't wait for season four. I'm hoping it'll be really soon since season three was like a year ago, pretty much. So I'm hoping it'll be soon. I don't know when, but hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe we'll revisit this at some point too and talk about season four. So I'm going to close out and have my panelists tell me where they can be found and more importantly, where their podcast can be found. So Bex. Um, so first, I want to do um, a little shout out from, I guess, for myself. That's weird. But yes, um, <laughs> I'm going to be presenting a panel at New York Comic Con on October 6th entitled Pop Culture, Fandom and Comics in the College Classroom. If anybody out there is going to be in attendance, it's going to be on thir on Thursday at 1.30 p.m. It's in like room 408 or something like that. Come find me. Uh, Tanya, who also is often on this podcast as a panelist will be a part of that panel. So we'd love to have you there. And then you can find me and my podcasts uh, <laughs> anywhere you get your podcast. So there's um, Big Reputations. I co-host with my friend Kimberly at Big Reps Pod on Twitter, Latinx Visions at Latinx Visions, and Coach Beard's Book Club at Beard's Book Club, all on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much. And congratulations again on that panel. That's that's awesome. Thank so. you. Welcome. And Ishelle, where can they find your amazing podcast? Well, I will be hosting a panel as well at my own home. <laughs> 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 it's going to be me talking to the walls pretty much, which is what I do all the time anyway. <laughs> but outside of my panel, you can find uh, my podcast. It's uh, Liberty Diner Dish. I co-host that with um, my beautiful friend, Ken. And we've been covering Queer's Folk. We're up to season five now. And so now we're going to start venturing into some more of the bonus episodes with that. But we're also launching a sister podcast called the Pink Plate Special, which is... Um, if you know Queer's Folk, that's basically from that show. But anyway, and there we'll be covering more shows, more movies that are more um, anything under, anything with some queer representation in it. We're going to be covering it there. So if you haven't seen Queer's Folk, which you should, there's a whole lot of other stuff that we're going to be covering over on the Pink Plate special. So you can find us there. And those handles are not out yet because we have not made them. <laughs> We're at Liberty Diner Dish everywhere except for Twitter, where we are at Diner Dish. <laughs> awesome. Yes. And you can hear me on Liberty Diner Dish. I don't know when I'm doing Brian 5.0. I, I know. I know. I'm going to email you right after this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we got wow. to get that on the schedule. 
<laughs> I know, but you can hear me doing it's so much fun doing deep dives into Brian, sex on legs, Kenny. Yes, I do need to trademark that, but I do uh, drop by Liberty Diner Dish and we've done it like a college course. So we've got Brian, Kenny 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. And so then pretty soon there will be 5.0 and that's been a 5.0 and that's been a lot of fun. And I know I have a lot of new listeners that we have gained because of Liberty Diner Dish. So I always give a big, so I always want to give a shout out to Michelle for that because I really appreciate it. I know our Queers Folk episodes are always really popular. No shock at all. Our Queers Folk episode talking about Brian is our most popular episode from our Queers Folk episodes that we did this year. Shocker to me, our least popular was the Justin one so far that really really shocks me the second most popular one was michael huh well i think that's because he's pretty divisive you know things are pretty divided on michael but you know funny you should mention the justin episode because literally while we're sitting right here ken just sent me a text and it was a screenshot that someone said they were listening to our justin episode that we did on your podcast and they had a question about something i said on there so you got at least one person listening Well, we had did have people. It's just it just shocked yeah, me I'm that joking. it was number four. No, I'm I know, kidding, but it yeah. just shocked me that I thought it would be like second place because so many people ship Brian. Yeah, well, and but they want Brighton episode. Like, it's give me Brian episode, give me Brighton episode. Justin, they just I but, and I think that's probably that's some true. of Randy's issues. They don't see Justin as his own entity. But anywho, that's, that's anyway, another topic for another day. Yeah. Bex, if you haven't watched Queer as Folk, go watch my favorite all-time show, Queer as Folk. So it's on it. my list. It definitely is. I just there's so many yes, things and, on the list. <laughs> I know. I and uh, t- trust me, I understand. And every year we will be revisiting Queer as Folk since those are always popular episodes, and it makes me happy because that is my all-time favorite show. So every year during Pride Month, we do revisit that, and every time. And now that they finished it, and hopefully I won't curse him again hopefully ken will be able to join next year so as long as i don't curse him again <laughs> since he thinks i curse him yeah but- you told him you've cursed him like two or three times so far <laughs> i mean he's intending to be on brian 5.0 with us but we shall see <laughs> i know i'm like oh, i don't curse that it's not yeah. my show so maybe it won't yeah him. but anyway um <laughs> So this is Erin. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Once again, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, any of the cast members of this show, I would love to talk to you. Any of the creators, the directors, writers, anything, I would love to talk to you. Reach out to us by heading on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com, clicking on the contact us that shoots us an email, and we will get in touch with you about scheduling an interview. I have been pretty booked lately, but please, please reach out. Don't let that hesit- Don't let that stop you because I love doing interviews. And I pride myself on my interviews. I think I'm really good at it. I get compliments galore from the people I interview. And I like to put them at ease. I don't care about talking about your personal life unless you want to talk about it. I just want to talk about your craft. And I do my research. (laughs) I watch the shows. I read the books. So please reach out. And on our next episode, like I've mentioned already a couple of times, we are going to be talking about another show that deals with teenagers and sex, but also violence. (sighs) sexual assault 
everything under the sun. So there will be so many trigger warnings for this one. Um, and that's euphoria. Uh, you can probably already tell where I land on this show. Um, this was not a fun watch for me. <laughs> I regretted having this on the schedule and I did this. It was another list. It was a listener suggestion. Uh, but I think it'll be a good conversation. It's not because I don't think it, you know, like I hated watching Nip Tuck, but I loved that conversation. So it'll be an interesting one, especially to compare and contrast to this one and how I think euphoria is not very good when it comes to handling sexuality, um, as opposed to this one, as opposed to sex education. So look for that. And until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.